This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. Hey guys, and welcome back to Gen Z Money. Today is our second episode of our investing mini series, and today we're going to be talking about micro investing. Now, a lot of you out there might have started with micro investing or it's something that you're looking into. So, today we're going to touch on what it is. What are you actually investing your money in? The fees, the benefits, the risks and the downside, as well as going through a few different options that are out there at the moment. And we're back with my friend Nick this week to talk about micro-investing. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode and let's jump right into it. Hey Nick and welcome back to the Gen Z Money Podcast. Well, glad to be back. Let's go again. Awesome. So this week we're going to be talking about micro-investing, which is a very popular form of investing in Australia at the moment. I remember when I first started investing, there really wasn't anything like this. I think Ray's maybe had come out um, a couple of years into my journey of learning about money, um, but now it's everywhere. So have you personally had any experience with micro-investing, Nick? No, I, on, personally, I haven't had too much involvement with that micro investing, but just from hearing other people or even my friends speak about it, it's definitely a growing trend. And and I think it's personally a really good sort of start off investing sort of tool. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what we're going to get into today. So I'll just start with like a really basic explanation of what micro investing is. As you said, it's a really great entryway for a lot of people who maybe want to start investing, but they don't have a lot of money to start with, or maybe they're nervous and they only want to use a small amount. So essentially it aims to make investing a bit more accessible to those who may be new to investing, or as I said, have smaller amounts of money. Um, And some of the benefits that are attractive when it comes to micro investing is that it's generally quite low cost, so not many fees, if any at all. Very, very easy to use. If you've ever looked at a micro-investing app, it's very self-explanatory. It's generally targeted at younger audiences and it's quite intuitive. As I said, very easy to use um, because there's a big focus on tech and usability. And another cool feature of a lot of these micro-investing apps is that a lot of the time they connect to your bank account um, so they can offer roundup investments. So if you were to purchase a coffee for $4.50, I don't even know if that's how much coffees cost. Nick, I don't drink coffee. Um, (laughs) But if you do spend $4.50 on a coffee, perfect. (laughs) Then it will automatically round that up to $5 and send 50 cents into your investments. So very, very easy way to enter into the investing world. Um, And in this episode, episode, we're going to do a little summary of some of the main micro-investing apps at the end, but I thought beforehand we'd just go through a few general points about micro-investing. And of course, with everything that we're going to be talking about in this series, this is not an endorsement of any specific type of investment. We're never going to be telling you what to invest your money in. It's impossible for us to know what's right for you, Um, but it's just really important that you do a lot of research and understand the different types so that you can make the best choice for yourself. So Nick, you've obviously, you've got the micro-investing app. It looks really cool. It seems to be doing well. Um, But all of these apps have usually two types of investments underlying them. Could you explain to us what those two types of investments are? I I guess the first one would probably be an ETF. So that stands for an exchange traded fund. And it's pretty much a combination of shares and bonds, uh, which are bundled together to form one financial product. This bundle can then be traded on the stock exchange um, so the public can buy into it. So when it says it's traded on the stock exchange, it means anyone can 
buy it as long as they have the money. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they give that to the, the investors the opportunity to buy into different types of stocks and bonds in just one transaction. So it's not just, um, you know, one ETF could have, you know, 100, 100 companies, but you're just buying it into one transaction. So it makes it a lot easier and at a lower cost as well. That's right. Yeah, it's usually a cheaper way to invest. And we won't go into too much detail about what an ETF is because we are going to do an episode on that. But I did see a really good analogy the other day, Nick, on Instagram, actually. Um, someone put up a picture of a box of chocolates, you know, those favourites chocolates with all the, you know, you've got the Milky Way and you've got the Bounty. It was basically saying that each little chocolate is a is a share in a company. You put them all into the box and that's what it means to buy an ETF. And I thought, oh, that's genius. That's that's pretty much exactly and right. <laughs> that's probably what that's probably what Cadbury and Favorites thought when when um when, when they created the product. So they they're one step ahead. Yeah, they were totally thinking of ETFs, yeah. <laughs> you know what? I think the box of chocolate favorites have probably been around for longer than ETFs. <laughs> because they are relatively uh, new and trendy these days. But that gives you a bit of an idea of what ETFs are, which is what a lot of these micro-investing apps use. But then they've also got managed funds, which aren't too dissimilar from an ETF. Nick, is that right? Yeah, so I guess managed funds are more of an active approach. Um, I guess it's probably back just touching on that last episode that we spoke about active and passive. I guess this is a, a sort of similar sort of scenario. Yeah, so managed funds can target particular countries, um, target particular demographics, particular sectors. So yeah, I think, um, but there's also a, a larger cost because it's actively managed. So I think that's something to be taken into account, but having a mixture of both ETFs and managed funds is a, is, is quite a common sort of strategy as well. So you've got an passive approach and an active approach and then doing that and, and having that sort of micro investing platform to slowly, you know, put money into both. Is a, is a very common strategy. Yeah, absolutely. And there are a couple of micro-investing platforms out there that do use managed funds. So it's essentially like you're putting your $10 into a big pool with hundreds and hundreds of other people who are also putting in their $10 or $50. So it's kind of like everyone pooling their money together and then someone else is taking that and investing it for you. So they're the two main types of investments that underlie micro-investing platforms. Um, And then we'll talk a little bit about the fees. So the fees will always vary from platform to platform. Um, Some are more expensive and some uh, are cheap or some even have no fees at all. I know for Spaceship currently at the time of recording, um, you don't pay any fees until you hit over $5,000. But with all of this, they, you can find the information on the fees of every platform on their websites and have a read through the product disclosure statements, aka PDSs, to find out a little bit more about that. So it's really important to understand what fees there are, but with most micro-investing apps, very, very low fees. A very cheap way to get into investing. So we've gone through some of the benefits of micro-investing. So as we said, it's quite easy, convenient. Um, You don't need a lot of money to get started. It's quite diversified um, and it's a good way just to to learn if you haven't invested before. But like with any investment, Nick, as you'd know, there are always risks. So could you explain to us what some of the risks um, associated with micro-investing might be? So I guess a lot of the risks just with not just with with micro-investing is it's like a lot of other sort of investments. So you don't want to put all your money into it. You, you got to also understand that with micro investing, you're also uh, susceptible to market fluctuations because you're investing in, you know, a managed fund or an ETF, and then they have exposure to 
market conditions and then, then markets can go up, they can go down, they can stay the same. So I think when you're investing in micro investing, I think you shouldn't be doing it for the short term. So I think it's it's one of those ones that you just keep in the, you keep looking at the balance if that's what you want to do. But I think it's something that, you know, should be a last resort sort of thing if, if you're looking to withdraw that sort of money because you've got to let it grow. Yeah, you know? I think that's one of the traps that people can quite easily fall into is because it is so easy to transfer money in and out of um, micro-investing platforms because it's on your phone, it's on the app, it's right there. But th- this is why it's so important to be educated about investing before you even get into micro-investing because there are tax implications that come with withdrawing money from a micro-investing app. So you're spot on. It's not kind of it's not the kind of money that you want to be playing with daily and pulling in and out it's something that you still do want to be doing for the long term with any investments and then um, another thing that I've found as well with a lot of these micro investing platforms it's not really an issue if you're new to investing and you're just getting started and you want to dip your toes in the water but let's say you buy um, some shares you know you buy some ETFs through your micro investing platform with a lot of the micro investing platforms you don't actually own the shares so you you know your name won't be on that allocation of shares you're just kind of buying into a big fund that is buying that on your behalf. But again, that's not really too much of an issue if you're just getting started. Of course, with micro-investing, you have limited control over what your money is invested in. Um, Often you'll have a choice of a few different ETFs and you can select that, but um, you can't, for example, buy an Apple share um, specifically through a micro-investing platform. That's not what that's for. Um, And some micro-investing platforms, it can start getting expensive when you've got large amounts. We're talking, you know, tens of thousands of dollars. It's not always the most cost-effective way of investing. Um, But if you're just getting started out, usually that's not an issue. So Nick, there's three main micro-investing apps um, out there that, you know, a lot of people might have heard of. Could you tell us what they are? So the the three main ones would be Raise, Spaceship Voyager, and also Comsec Pocket. That would probably be the three main ones, I would say. Yeah. And there's new ones coming out all the time, like obviously way more than we had back in the day. <laughs> I mean, we are only what, like 24 and 25 or we're not that old, but um, yeah, there's definitely more and more being made. But I'll start off with Raise. We'll just go through a really brief explanation of how these apps work. And of course, this is not uh, enough you know, research um, f- for you guys to then go and invest. You've got to always be doing your own research. But I know with Raise at the time of recording, there's seven different portfolios that you can choose from and they are ranging from conservative, which is like least risky to aggressive, which is the most risky. Um, And then they've also got the Emerald portfolio, which is a more socially responsible um, portfolio where they're investing in um, leaders in, you know, um, sustainability. And then they've also got this new one, Nick, I'm not sure if you've heard of this, but they've got the Sapphire portfolio, which actually has around 5% allocation to Bitcoin. No, I didn't know that. It's interesting. Yeah. Slowly increasing its presence, Bitcoin, by the sounds of it. It is. It really is. So yeah, so each of these uh, raised portfolios is created with a mix of different ETFs um, and you can actually have a look at their website and see what those underlying ETFs are. Now, in terms of fees, um, if you have under $15,000 in raise, you're going to be paying $3.50 per month. 
Um, and if you have over $15,000, it's 0.275% of your balance per year is the fees. And to start off with raise, you need to have $5 and then you can auto invest or manually invest small amounts over time. So that's a bit of a summary on Raise. We've also then got Spaceship Voyager. Have you had a look much into Spaceship Voyager, Nick? Uh, no, not personally. I, I, I have heard of it, but I don't, um, I don't invest in it personally, no. I've actually seen quite a few people. I know that they have a super fund as well, which is interesting. Um, I think that's the only micro-investing platform I've seen have a super fund. But um, basically, Spaceship Voyager is probably the most simple platform. Um, there's usually there's three different portfolios that you can buy units in. So they've got the Spaceship Origin portfolio, which aims to invest in 200 of the world's largest companies. Um, and I believe that's more of a passive investment. They've also got the Spaceship Universe portfolio, which invests in what they believe to be world-changing companies. And then they've also got the Spaceship Earth portfolio, which invests in companies that they believe have a positive impact on the world. And the really interesting thing about Spaceship is that there are no fees on balances under $5,000. So if you're just getting started with a really small amount, you're not going to be paying any fees on that money. And then once you go over that amount, um, that changes. So of course, have a look at the PDS to get an idea of how that works. But um, Spaceship actually has no minimum investment and no minimum amount that you can invest regularly. Um, so you could start with, you know, $5 if you really wanted to. And then they've also got Comsec Pocket. Now, Nick, I think this can be quite confusing for a lot of people. There's a difference between Comsec and Comsec Pocket. <laughs> Could you explain really briefly what that difference is? I guess the easiest way to explain it is probably Comsec Pocket is the micro investing form of Comsec. So, uh, I'm well, I'm sure we'll talk about this in, in a future episode. But Comsec, not Comsec Pocket, is more for larger businesses, uh, such as um, you've got more variety in your investment options, so you can invest in a lot more things. Um, and also the fees are, this fees are a bit different. And yeah, you, there's a lot more options with it with the Comsec. And then also that is free as well to have that account. But then there's some additional sort of uh, research and things that comes with that. But we're talking about Comsec Pocket, which is a little bit different. So they got um, seven ETFs that you can choose from. Uh, within different themes. So you could invest in a, a health sort of um, ETF, a sustainability ETF, or just a traditional Australian company's ETF. From a fee perspective, it is a little bit different to the traditional Comsec. So when you trade through the app, so the Comsec Pocket app, uh, you'll pay about $2 each time you invest uh, or or if you sell up to $1,000. So anything above $1,000, there is a percentage-based fee but you should um, check the product disclosure statement um, for a bit more information about that. So with Comsec Pocket, you need a starting balance of about $50 and then the minimum sort of tray that you can purchase is about $50. So you can buy $50 worth of, an, of, of one of those seven ETFs that we discussed earlier. They do have dividends, so you can receive dividends from those ETFs. So, um, and then that will just appear in your settlement account. So you'll have a settlement account that's linked to your Comsec Pocket but the difference between a lot of these, um, the other micro-investing apps such as Spaceship, Voyager and Raise is that you actually own these shares. So we're, we're, With yeah, Comsec so, Pocket? Yeah, with Comsec Pocket, you own these shares compared to the other two platforms that Azaria discussed. So that's good to know as well. 
Mm-hmm, for sure. And it's also probably worth mentioning as well that to have a Comsec Pocket account, you need to actually have a Commonwealth Bank account as well. So if you're not already with Commonwealth Bank, they might just require you to have an account there, even if it's empty, just to be able to use um, that micro investing platform. Yeah, so that's just a real basic overview of the three main micro-investing platforms that are out there at the moment. Um, as we said, I know for many people out there, this is their entryway into getting into investing. So I definitely recommend um, doing some reading, having a look around and seeing if micro-investing is right for you. But thank you so much again, Nick, for joining us on this episode and we'll see you next week. Well, thank you for having me. Talk to you soon. We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respect to their elders, past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, is an authorized representative of Money Sherpa, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289.